Hello. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another exciting edition of the Big Red Bus as we take the glorious monstrosity out onto the streets of Chicago after a just just a uh, thrilling, exciting trade deadline that passed, came and went and passed for the beloved Bull. And with me to talk about all the uh, extensive amount of moves that the Bulls made is the great one, Doug Tonus, the Podfather. How you doing, brother? Uh, did you forget how to say hello? What was what was going on there? I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry, I had I had I had a number of technical difficulties, and there's there's just stuff going on in the room. I don't. I was I was left wondering if that was a bit or if. Like, like you were like a broken, <laughs> broken down or something night, like, Doug. like our trade deadline or, or what was going on there. So yeah, it was interesting. Um, yeah, I, I'm fine. Like, are you sure? Yeah. Cause I'm not, I know you're not. So like the difference between you and me is expectations. Uh, you know, we were talking a little bit as we were working through the technical challenges, you know, this morning. And I said, everything that has happened in the last you know, one and a half years, two years now, I guess, since we traded for Vooch was more or less what I predicted would happen. And so I'm not surprised by any of it. Um, I'm not thrilled by any of it either. But, you know, this is like a long path we, we set down and people have a hard time admitting their own mistakes and moving on. And I think that's what you've seen with this front office. And, it, you know, like I I know people are going to hate me when I say this, and it's going to throw a bunch of fire, but that was one of the good things kind of about the last front office. They moved on from people pretty regularly. They moved on from Miritich, from Tyrus Thomas, from Tabo Cephalosha, from James Johnson, from Eddie Curry. Like, they, they just traded lots of guys for picks instead of, like, just trying to, to keep doing the same old thing. Now they, they had all kinds of other flaws, but, like, they didn't just get tied into guys they didn't didn't care for and they moved on and so far we've not seen this front office really move on from anything they've done they've been happy to move on from pieces they inherited uh, but we've not seen any sign they're willing to admit that they've ever made any type of mistake that's well said and at some point we have to have a discussion about their fourth overall pick and you know their first really big move and that's Patrick Williams and I know we all as a fan base want him to succeed we saw in the indicators of growth, which is normal for any basketball player at the age of 21 in January. He had a decent month. He shot the ball well. He did a lot of good things in that month. He's regressed again in February, and his play has flatly been a complete embarrassment so far this month. Yesterday, he was benched after playing 14 minutes, and I've heard a lot of people get all over Billy and criticize Billy for not playing him more. If you watch the first five minutes of that game where before he was pulled for Caruso, I'd ask why he wasn't pulled earlier. It was unacceptable level of effort that I highlighted on Twitter, and yet we still as a fan base can't come to admit that he needs to play harder. He needs to attack the boards with reckless abandon. He at least needs to move himself into the paint instead of always jogging back and not having an impact on the game. And at the end of the game, we're always wondering why he has two rebounds and no assists and an ineffective game and blaming it on Billy for not putting him in position to succeed. He has to put himself in the position to succeed. And regardless of what happens going forward, that fourth overall pick, if it fails, that's, that's a huge miss. That's a huge miss for a team without any draft assets ahead 
that has sacrificed so much for two years and not brought in anyone to compete with him. They basically handed everything to him. And he is not progressing at a level that I find is acceptable. And it just comes down to simply playing hard. What say you? I sort of disagree with a lot of what you said. I mean, like, so you're right about him playing, not playing hard. I completely agree with that. I, I think you just have to look at Pat Williams, though, as a guy who's not going to be a good rebounder. Like, he's just not going to do that. Like, if that's your expectation, like, why is that your expectation? You've seen enough of Patrick Williams to know that that's not going to happen, right? So instead, look at him as a guy who hopefully can be a plus defender and can shoot lots of open threes at a really high percentage. And even if he can't rebound, that still might be a valuable player. Now, I also disagree that Patrick Williams being a huge miss I don't think he's a huge miss only because it's like you got to go to pick number 12 with Halliburton before you find the guy that was like the right guy. So, you know, when, when this guy is a miss and then the next seven picks are also misses, you know, it's just like, that's just not a, you know, it, it, it's a situation where it's not like you, you had really obvious choices. And going back to that draft day, Fred, we, we knew this was a crapshoot draft. We knew there was a huge drop off after LaMelo ball went off the table. And so, we had very low expectations, or at least I did. And I, I don't think you had really high expectations for Pat Williams either. And, and also it was just a big crapshoot as to, to what was going to be there. So I don't think it was a huge miss only because of the context the pick was made. Um, you know, it is a miss. Maybe the bigger part of what you said that I agree with is the problem with the front office is they banked on him. Like what you said, they didn't bring anyone to compete with him. They keep rolling him out there. They keep just trying to hand him every opportunity possible and they're not maybe realistic about where he is as a player and how that's going to impact the team. And if you were in a rebuilding situation like they were when they inherited the team, you could maybe say like, all right, I get what we're doing here. But you made all these win now moves and then you banked everything around this one player who was like a, you know, like a 25 percent chance of panning out and was going to need several years to get there and didn't bring in anything else to really supplement that. So like strategically, like those, those things don't align and mesh well, right? Like that, so that, I think that is like a bigger miss. I and mean like when you think of management and how they're putting together a strategy, you know, it's like you take different types of risks and this risk did not match their other moves. Like they didn't, they didn't have a holistic strategy that made sense. We keep on hearing that they took time to evaluate. We heard that again stated by ACME yesterday. And I guess that's where my bigger concern is, is, in all this evaluation that you've done of the roster, you sent away to me the better pieces. I don't know how you can evaluate Laurie Markkinen, regardless of how he played as a bull. You can't evaluate him and say that he does not have a higher future or better future than Patrick Williams at any level. I don't understand where you make that conclusion. I never saw anything in Patrick Williams' college game tape to indicate that he would be better than Laurie Markkinen. And so... I understand Lori overall probably was somewhat of a disappointment here. He wasn't really put in a great situation with the coaching. Absolutely true. But he did show signs. He did average a 19 and 9 in his second year as a 21-year-old. There were significant signs that Lori Markinen could at least be a rock-solid rotation player. I think he showed more signs than Patrick Williams did. Yet you make that evaluation. How? How is that evaluation done? You send away Wendell Carter Jr. 
again, who we all agree. I understand you took a home run swing trying to get Vooch. Vooch was never better as a defender than Wendell Cutter Jr. So you make that decision. Your evaluation of your roster has been a massive disaster. Gafford is a good backup center. He was sent away. I don't have any faith in the evaluation skills of this front office. I guess that's what I'm coming down to. And now they want to evaluate the current roster again for another 20-some games. Where is that going to lead us? Like, What's the result of that evaluation going to be? Let me guess. They'll trade Zach Levine. Because guess what? He wasn't acquired by this front office. And and I don't feel like you had to trade Zach yesterday. I think this is part, let's go into our next topic, which is all the discussions around Zach Levine with New York. If New York wasn't willing to give you Obi, Obi Toppin and Grimes and R.J. Barrett and draft picks for Zach Levine, then don't make the deal. But that deal should still be there in the summer, provided he keeps on doing Zach things. And eventually that deal should be made. Now, my ask to you is, what did you think of all the talk around the Bulls trading Zach to the Knicks, number one? And number two, would you have done the deal? If so, what were what would you have wanted in return? I think for me, if I was going to do that deal, I'm only doing that deal if I'm also just going nuclear. And so for me, you kind of are stuck. And, and this is like the weird corner the front office box themselves into. I mean, like they sprinted into a corner and built walls around them and then complained that they're boxed in it. You know, they, everything they did removed all their flexibility, optionality, and put them in this weird tight spot. And so now you're at a point where if you trade Zach, what are you doing? You're going to build around DeMar and Vooch, two aging, declining players? Like, it's like, <laughs> you know, without like lots of other like assets, like that's just not a, a great recipe for success for anything. So then it's like, if you're going to trade Zach, you kind of feel like, all right, the best thing to do now is to also trade DeMar and Vooch and probably Caruso. Like trade those four guys, see if you can get like eight first round picks and some young talent. And then now just start fresh and be like, you know what? We tried this. It wasn't working. Let's, let's see what we can do. But, but their inability to do that was like, that's like such a huge shock because I think they, they want to feel like they can still win and make the playoffs and do well. And they don't really want to rebuild, right? Like you can just tell they don't want to try and rebuild. And they're not accepting of the fact that they're too far away to retool. And, and now we're going to be entering this next season where you're looking at the roster and, and you're basically going to be banking on Lonzo Ball to be healthy and, and play a full season again. And maybe hey, if that happens, we could catch lightning in a bottle, but that's, that's like back where we are. Like that's what we're signing. You're up still for. though the, the the major problem, which I I'll go back to, is you're still banking on Patrick Williams. I'm going to disagree with what you said earlier about well the players between him and and uh, Halliburton. There were four players. Isaac Okoro is shooting fifty percent from three since for the last month. Oh come on, that's so ridiculous, dude. One hold month. on a second, Doug. One month, twelve. He's shooting well 20, for one 12, month. Seven. One month. He was exponentially better as a defender. He's always been better as a defender. He's the best defender in that class. He's a better player. I Anybody who's going That's, to speak objectively fine. looks at I'm not at saying Okoro is a worse player. I'm saying in he, a is a, he is an irrelevant player. Okoro is a completely irrelevant player. He's not I'm like a difference maker. If we had Okoro, like the roster would not be any better. 
disagreed, but we're not going to waste time on that. A Kongwu would have been better. Vessel Vessel would have been better. There were four guys taken between uh, after uh, Williams that I'd prefer to Williams right now. Yeah, so like even even Toppin and Advia would be better. (laughs) <laughs> like at this point, I don't know look, about Denny average. Yeah. Well, I know you just hate him because you hate him, but like he's actually played pretty well recently too. But regardless of that, I agree that these other guys may have been better, but they're not so much better that like a run of like one month of good play couldn't swing your opinion on any of them. Like they're all basically pedestrian players. The only player who's been really good in that group has been Halliburton. Fair. Understood. Yeah, I mean, like, they, so okay. they're better. I agree. Like we 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 got the quarter, and and maybe Devin Vassell was a dollar, and Halliburton was the Benjamin Franklin, you know, like, yeah, <laughs> you know, like so it's like all right, if you want to complain, we didn't get a dollar and we got you know two nickels, it's fine, but it's not like it wouldn't change the roster significantly if we had one of those other guys. That's all I'm saying. Do you agree with my point though, generally? Where how do you look at Lori Markin and how do you look <laughs> at Patrick Williams and make the assessment that Patrick Williams is going to be the better player. I mean, you never know in the draft. I don't see how you do that. You never know in the draft. Like, no, no, no one. But you no kind of know, Doug. No, you never know. I mean, like, when you're taking a guy who's like, yeah, I, I agree I was not super high on Pat Williams, you, but we didn't get to see him work out. You know, he was climbing up the boards for a lot of people. There was a lot of hype on him. You know, whatever. Like, there's times where guys like that end up being great. That's all I'm saying. And, you know, it didn't happen with Pat Williams. I didn't think it was going to happen with Pat Williams. Uh, but with Laurie Markkinen, I, th- I think what confuses this issue some is that Lowry has now taken this incredible step forward, which is just extraordinarily rare, and it kind of came out of nowhere. Like, none of us were falling all over ourselves saying we should pay Lowry $20 million a year, which is what he wanted when he left. No one. Not you, not me, not any other Bulls fan. Bulls Nation as a whole was like, all right, first round pick and, you know, Derek Jones Jr. Yeah, that seems fine. Everyone was ready. I think there was a lot of people in Bulls Nation, including myself, who saw value in what Laurie Markkinen brought to the table. You didn't want to keep it. I agree. You were were happy with that move when it was made. Don't don't lie to me. I was was fine with the move at the time because I thought the return in a first round pick and Derek Jones Jr. at the time appeared to be acceptable. I do not have access to every practice. All I will tell you is this. I at no point did I ever believe Patrick Williams was a better answer than Larry Markin in our four position. Yeah, when you but made it's the not, that's not Vooch, the question. That's not the question, though. Because the question is, like, do you want to pay Lowry $20 million a year? Like, versus... It was fine with, versus, like, 16 to 18. Yeah, okay. I Like, we go back to our tape, and we were talking about, like, yeah, I'd pay Lowry $12 million a year. And I think we both said, like, yeah, we'd go fifteen. And like now, now that he's turned out to be a superstar, you're ramping up what you said. You're changing what you said. So just don't do that. <laughs> just don't I'm, do that. I'm just this saying. Isn't what I, you I, said. I, Go look it up. It's not what you said. So don't do that. That's fair. But I, I also want to push push back and say, we had no idea that he could ever do this. Yeah, actually, we did. We saw him do it for periods of time. Yes, it wasn't a long t- period of time, but to act like he didn't have the month in February of 2019 where he averaged a 25-12 over it's fine, a month. It's fine. No one no one wanted to do like, this. No one wanted to keep him that was like 2 years earlier. No one no one was enough. on board with paying him that much money. And look, it's fine. I agree like so you know no one's paying us 2 million dollars a year to make these decisions. We don't get to watch practices. We don't get to see whatever. Like 
you, you expect a guy making millions of dollars to be better than two dudes with mics in their basements. So, you know, like I, it was a miss, you know, like it was clearly a miss. And I, I put this on, and all I'm saying is like some misses, you kind of understand some misses you don't, but here, here's what I want to say. And maybe this backs into your point. I wrote this on Twitter. One of my amazing tweets. I'm going to pull a Fred. One of my amazing tweets. <laughs> you, if you look at every decision the Bulls made with a lottery pick or a contract above the MLE. So Lowry, did they make the right decision? No. Wendell Carter, did they make the right decision? No. Kobe White, did they make the right decision? No. At the time they came in here, he finished his rookie season on a string of 30-point games. Could have traded him for a lot more than they could now. Now he's going to walk for nothing. So that's what I mean by that. They kept him when they should have moved him. Um, Nikola Vucevic, did they make, make the right decision? No. DeMar DeRozan, did they make the right decision? Absolutely. Killed it. Lonzo Ball, did they make the right decision? No. And so you go through, those are, an, oh, Pat Williams, did they make the right decision? Maybe we could call it to be decided, but right now it's a no. And then extending Caruso Zach Levine. was the right they, decision. Caruso was sub-MLE. Yeah. Oh, said, good above point. the mid-level exception or lotto picks. Those are your, your high leverage moves. So I'm not talking about making moves around the margin. I'm talking about your high leverage moves. And um, so Pat Williams. Zach Levine Zach, was the Zach right Levine, decision. Zach Levine extension. I, I'd say it's to be decided, but leaning yes. So. Because I think you could trade Zach and get value back. Yes, so I think, I think absolutely. That's, I think that's probably the right decision. So, like, out of your high leverage decisions, you know, like, you're, you're wrong, like, you know, six out of eight times. And if we're going to give you right on Zach Levine, that one was just blindingly obvious, <laughs> like, to make. So, like, in all the things we really had to make a choice and think about it, like, your record is, is just atrocious. It's, like, atrocious. And so, like, yeah, some of them, like, you know, like, like the Vooch thing. Did you see that coming? Well, I saw it coming. I ranted about it forever. You know, the, the Lonzo ball thing. Did anyone think Lonzo might get hurt? Yeah. That was like one of the two main reasons we talked about Lonzo ball being a main risk the whole off season when there was, you know, rumors we were going to get him. Exactly. Like, so yeah, people absolutely saw that coming. You know, DeMar DeRozan, like we all liked, I mean, I shouldn't say everyone liked, but you and I both liked that, that signing a lot, you know, the day it was made. Loved it. You know, Pat Williams, like I, don't think the fan base was super thrilled with that. Like, so like the, like a lot of these decisions are ones that like other people wouldn't have made too. like, they wouldn't have evaluated in that way. So, you know, whatever that is what it is, but that's why they're in this weird box where they're at. Like they're just, they're just missing on all of the big important decisions. Well, you know, what's even funnier is this could be an even bigger disaster. If some of their plans actually came to fruition Apparently, they wanted Rudy Gobert. They were bidding against Minnesota. How did that turn out for Minnesota? I mean, I'm sure they would not have. It's a good thing they didn't give the package. I love that you're bringing this up because you are the hugest Gobert fan. I I wanted that deal. And I will say that that Conley deal for the Timberwolves was just brilliant. And I think it's going to significantly improve that team. I thought that was a great move on their part to get him and basically trade uh, high on Russell. Um, But back to the Bulls. That move, in retrospect, though, probably would not have worked out. And B, more importantly, they tried to sign Gallinari, an oft-injured guy, for the, to address their shooting hole. And he, he ends up signing with the, with the Celtics and tears his ACL. How would that look on the roster right I now? Mean, I mean, that's a like, little bit of a fluke thing to have. A, yeah. But whatever, yeah. I not agree. really. He's hurt yeah, all I, the time. Like, okay. That's predict, what they do. You predict ACL tears now? 
<laughs> not not ACL tears, but predicting he's hurt isn't a big stretch. Yeah. It's like, All right, to, to call myself out, I just made the same point about Lonzo. <laughs> No, I'm arguing you for saying the same thing. So, all right, all right, exactly. You you, you win. Um, yeah, I think I, I think generally the Gobert thing, and to give you a little bit of defense, I think even you you would have dropped out at the Timberwolves price. Like the the stuff you were talking about offering for Gobert was nowhere Absolutely. near what what the trade ended up being. So, you know, and I, I think even if we had Gobert, maybe it would be okay if we were like, here's Vooch and Pat Williams, you know, or something like Vooch goes to a third team. You know, like that, that maybe would have worked out. Maybe not. But anyway, ignoring that, like, yeah, I just, I don't have trust in these guys. Can I give you another one of my amazing tweets? I know, yeah, I know you, I'm you, loving have a, them. you have a list of topics, and so I'm, I'm I, intruding on your list. Um, no, this is all good. All right. So I made this amazing tweet today, just this morning. So Casey Johnson puts out there, Arturis Karnaschovas said the Bulls were buyers in a busy trade market. And... You know, sounds like an executive who knows his roster needs bolstering, which yet another underwhelming loss underscored. And, you know, I don't know if you saw the Arturis presser, but he talked about like they were looking to buy and it was just a buyer's market and the prices were too high and they just couldn't find anything they liked. And so right. here's my tweet. Given our team is on the low end of average, we have a bunch of assets that are aging and declining in future value. And it was a seller market. One might think that this was an excellent opportunity to pivot by being a seller. What say you? <laughs> I agree. I agree. I, well, I, I also would say, too, I think the trade of Zach Levine to the Knicks, like, to me, that's where the rumor was. I think there was a deal in there that would have allowed the Bulls to almost kind of kind of straddle both, both uh, lanes. And what I mean is, if the deal was R.J. Barrett, Obi Toppin, and Grimes or Quickly, and picks, I don't feel the Bulls would have had a substantial loss. In fact, I actually think they could have potentially improved. And if the Knicks weren't willing to make that deal, then I agree with Arturis holding off and waiting to the summer. Because my general point on that deal was, if, if the Knicks aren't agreeing to everything we wanted now, they sure as heck will be in June. Because as long the risk is, Zach remains healthy, but assuming he remains healthy, and that's a substantial risk, but assuming he remains healthy, keeps on playing at a high level and doing Zach Levine things, the pressure will be immense on the New York Knicks to make a move for a superstar with the wake of another poor playoff loss. They're not going anywhere in the playoffs. With the wake of what happened the previous offseason and getting Donovan Mitchell, they will send a number of assets our way for Zach Levine. And I would support that trade. I think that is a good move. I like R.J. Barrett. I don't think he's being used properly in New York. I do. Lo I love Obi Toppin. Obi Toppin, to me, is the most underutilized player in the NBA. I would be all over that trade. And if you can get Grimes or Quickly and picks, multiple first-rounders, to kind of replace what you've lost, I'd be all over that deal. So that's I, if that's the case, if that's what happened then I understand and support his decision not to make a move now. But yeah. to me, that's like, do you agree with what I just stated there? Yeah, I mean, I agree. I, without knowing the exact particulars of what was on the table with the Knicks, like like I said, it's, you're kind of at a point where I feel like you should either just go all in on rebuilding or you, you kind of try to add to this roster. But they don't have a lot to add to it, which is why, as you know, on this podcast for the last year and a half, 
<laughs> I've been pro-trading everyone and in trying to rebuild something meaningful. Uh, so in this sense, yeah, I agree. Maybe if you did that trade, you got those three guys. You got Grimes, Barrett, and uh, Toppin that maybe you, you probably could have broke even you know, record-wise. It wasn't going to kill you. And there was a rumor. I don't know if you saw it. I think it was on uh, the Kaplan show on a, on a podcast or radio thing or something where they said uh, Zach Levine and Billy Donovan have had a falling out that felt – I got the impression it was irreparable and everyone took Donovan's side. The only thing I'll say is if that's actually true and they, they feel like this is a really big deal, and I don't know that it is, you know, whatever. It's one dude on the radio saying it um, who I don't know I feel is incredibly plugged in to, to know these kinds of things you know, that aren't reported elsewhere. Uh, but if that is true, then I think it is a mistake not to move on from Zach. Like if you're going to now also have disruption in the, the locker room, uh, then I, I, I think you would probably would have been close enough to just say, yeah, let's just, just make this thing happen. But, but again, I don't, I don't know that that's actually, you know, true, true sentiment of how things are. Fact, I, I suspect Zach is still, it seems like he is from everything that we've heard still upset about being benched in that one game, which if true, on Zach, shame on Zach. Come on, man. You got to let it go at some point. I mean, my goodness, if that's true. Billy Donovan overall <laughs> has been a massive supporter of Zach Levine. And I know the heat is really on Billy. There was a tremendous amount of criticism for him not playing Williams yesterday, which I think is ridiculous if you just focus on Williams, as I highlighted before, for the first five minutes of the game. He should have been benched after five minutes. Uh, he's been... He's just not – the roster is not – there's no offensive geometry here. Your three best players are subpar defenders. That's not a recipe for winning. It just yeah. isn't. You got one and, plus and, defender on the team, <laughs> Alex Caruso. Yeah, real plus defender. I think – I'd still say Io. I think Io's played very well of, of late. He's shooting the ball incredibly well. He didn't have a great game yesterday, but the previous five games he was fantastic. I still think at times he could be a plus defender, but I agree with you, like – there's nobody else, especially on the interior. Who do you feel confident is a good defender at your four and five? We don't have anybody. It's a joke. We've got no rim defense. It's it's horrible. Yeah, yeah. There's there's a lot of problems with this roster in terms of fit, and it goes back again. Like this whole thing rests on our management. Their strategy appears to have been to me: let's go get the most talented players we can regardless of fit and you know when they went to do that they got near star quasi star type players you know like Vucevic and DeRozan and DeRozan is overachieved you know and then Lonzo Ball would maybe be like another one maybe not quite near star but like you know really good player and so you know now we're left with a roster that is very malformed doesn't have like redundancy in positions doesn't check all the boxes you need to run a successful team. <clears throat> but that's just like who they could get. Like if Vooch wasn't on the market, like I think they would have just went after someone else. See, here's and, where and I disagree I think with you on the, that. I think that's, I think that was their approach. It's hard to say, but I think that was their approach. If that was their pitch, if that's their truth, then they should, they're still trying to, again, straddle both paths because why are you holding on to your number one pick this year? You should have traded what what became Dalen Terry for a rotation player who can shoot the ball or protect the rim. Don't tell me that that option wasn't out there. I'm certain there's a team in the NBA 
look at what look at what the Raptors got for from the Spurs. What what did they give up for uh for their uh, excellent rim defender? Pearl um Portal? Yeah. What did they give up for him? Oh god, I don't even remember. It, it, it was next to nothing. Yeah, there was yeah. I think it was yeah, it was not a lot, whatever it was. So like somewhere there had to be a deal for the Dale and Terry pick, which would became Dale and Terry to address some of these issues. But no, they wanted to take a draft pick. They want to hold on to Patrick. They want to hand it over to Patrick. I always, I'm fine with that too. That was a good pick, a second rounder and Kobe White, all part of the rotation. If you're going to go in the one direction, then go in that direction. What? Why is Dale and Terry? It was a completely wasted asset this year that he's still on the roster. Completely wasted. Hasn't helped this team at all. A team built trying to win now. You've just you just wasted an asset. They're not. Their actions are not. Uh, commensurate with the the direction they made a year ago. That's all I'm trying to say. I agree with you, except that I'd also say, like, thank God they're not just throwing all of their future assets at this junk team. Like, I would be so I I would be honestly like much more annoyed if they're like, oh well, every every future facing asset we have, let's trade for a marginal upgrade on this team that has no hope of getting out of the first round anyway. One thing that this uh, poor team is hopefully hopefully solidified though going forward is this idea that con- continuity is like something that should be, you know, uh, treasured or talked about or lauded. Uh, you know, my friend at fly rib just sent me a tweet today. The continuity really paid off tonight. Uh, talking about the Nets game after Nets game. Meanwhile, the Nets met each other for the first time right before tip off end quote, like the idea that just playing together and you're going to have some continuity is going to really, result in meaningful wins should be dead talent wins continuity is overrated it's just so stupid it, it, the whole nonsense that we heard all year we got this continuity is to me ridiculous what say you i mean i think continuity is a factor but it's just such a minor factor you know like like it's the factor that maybe segregates two teams that are around the same level of talent and they grow up each other and one is like more familiar with each other and the other isn't, you know, like if you got two, two teams of the same talent, then maybe the one with continuity is going to be a little bit better, but you're completely right. Like it's, it's about talent in the end. And you know, you, your talent is not high enough to worry about whether it's you have continuity. Like that's ultimately the problem. You don't have enough talent to where continuity is going to be a positive factor for you. You know, like if you're the the Warriors and you're going for a title last year, I would bet continuity really did help them having gone through like all these experiences and other stuff, right? Like, but they had all the talent to be there already and that allowed them to come back and put the pieces together quicker and, and, and things like that and, and be familiar with each other. And maybe if like a guy goes out with injury and then he comes back, you can reintegrate him into the roster faster. And you know, like, there's things you get that are advantage, but they're, they're only advantages or marginal advantages that require you to already have, you know, the talent you need to get the, the results you want. Like it's, it's a, it's a separating factor, but it's not the primary factor. So we've got a few minutes left in this uh, exciting episode going forward. I mean, like, so I don't even know what, what, what we do going forward. I guess I like your prediction on what do you think is going to happen? Like for the team for the rest of the year, will we make the playoffs currently we're number nine. Do you think we're going to get in actually, or are we going to be like a play and exit uh, number one and number two? 
this offseason, do you anticipate Zach actually being moved? I think they will have to do something major in the offseason. Um, I think they will be a play-in loser. You know, just like looking at the teams above us, maybe even though they just beat us <laughs> without the guys they got back from Phoenix, maybe um, you could beat Brooklyn if they fall down enough. But they've got such a big head start that they probably won't fall fall down into the play-in category. Maybe they will. But, like, I, I don't know. Like, if would you count on beating, um, you know, two teams, two games out of the Knicks, Hawks, and Raptors right now to win two in a row? Like, I don't think we would win two in a row against those three teams, which is what you'd have to do if you're the nine or ten spot. Um, and, and it's definitely possible if that Zach Levine rumor is true and the locker room kind of implodes. I mean, we're a half game out of 11th. You know, so it's like you could easily just even miss the play-in altogether. Um, so, yeah, I, I I don't think we're going to make the playoffs, uh, but we we definitely have a chance at it. But I, if I had to guess, I'd say no to the playoffs. And I think that if we miss the playoffs, like we don't get into the playoffs, we're losing the play-in or we miss the play-in, then I think they have to do something major in the offseason. Like I, I think it has to be a complete teardown then at that point, don't you? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think they'll be forced into that. You know, uh, there's no doubt about it. Right. I mean, yeah, you can't, you can't say continuity is the key after you go from 47 wins to like 36 wins or 38 wins or, you know, 39 wins with continuity. Um, I, I mean, I guess the other thing is they would sell us on Lonzo ball being healthy and it's going to be totally different. Um, but, and, and you know what? I mean, like I, if Lonzo ball was healthy, I do think it would make a really big difference. You know, like the tough thing for Chicago and, you know, I don't want to make excuses for the team or whatever, but the tough thing for Chicago is you lost three games uh, because of last two minute bad calls. Like, you know, at the, like on the final play, you get those three and you're 29 and 26 uh, instead. And you've been missing Lonzo the whole season. And if you had Lonzo say for half a season, like you'd probably add another like two, three games and you'd, you'd probably reasonably be a 5-6 seed. You know, and so, like, I wouldn't be thrilled with that because we'd be a 5-6 seed that I don't think could have marginal, you know, chances to improve to be better. But, like, the confluence of events has, has made it even much worse than, than the reality. Like, I think this team is, like, probably in the East, if, you know, all things were kind of, like, even and fair, they're like probably, like, the seventh best team in the East. You know, sixth, seventh, but like in that range. But, you know, now they're going to maybe finish like ninth or tenth. And so that's going to feel a lot worse than the reality. Just like last year, I think, felt better than the reality. This year is, is going to be the worst, worse than the reality. Um, so we'll see, what, we'll see what they do with that because it does amp up the pressure by fans and the media and like everything else and even their own internal pressure to want it, to do better, right? Like, like these guys absolutely want to succeed. Like I don't want to make it sound like, oh, they're stupid and they don't care. Like, I'm sure these are absolutely brilliant people who know a lot about what they're doing, who care deeply and think nothing about it and are losing sleep. And are like our tourists look sick on that, like uh, sick, sick to his stomach on that presser. You know, so like I'm sure they care deeply. Like, I don't want to make it sound like they're negligent or whatever. Um, but so we'll see what happens. It's going to be a really hard 
situation from them. I mean, it's the consequences of their own actions, but it's going to be a really hard situation. It is. And on that note, I got to hit the road, DT. Got a meeting coming up. But, man, it's uh, dark times for the beloved Bull. Uh, I do feel like, you know, I do think it's this team, if if we'll follow the pattern and win two or three games, probably out of our next four, that will kind of restore a little bit of faith. Um, but, man, oh, man, I think they're going to be forced into, as you said, some actions this offseason. They're going to be drastic and hopefully uh, – for, for our for our sanity positive and I think that starts with take advantage of some of these teams that are going to have disappointing playoff runs whether it's the heat the Knicks the Lakers I don't know what teams plenty of teams are going to fall short and, and, and delivering them a, a superstar in Zach Levine that will hopefully return a lot in terms of young player assets and draft picks all right my brother all the all best right. DT go Bulls go Bulls <laughs> Take it easy, man.